Well, good morning. Uh, once again, it is good to be together. It is good to worship together on this fall uh, kickoff day, and we just want to say uh, welcome again to any guests or visitors that are with us today. If you're checking us out today for the very first time, or maybe you've been here uh, for a little while and you're still just sort of feeling things out, that is great because we love new people at Hope. And we believe it's no accident that you're here. We have been praying for you, and uh, we truly pray that you feel welcomed and loved and encouraged in this place today. Today is Rally Sunday, as I mentioned, at all of Hope's campuses in West Des Moines, in Ankeny, here in Des Moines, and starting in two weeks in Johnston Grimes, our fourth campus. So we are excited about that. Praise God. Amen. You bet. Now, when I say Rally Sunday, some of you that maybe didn't grow up in a a traditional church setting are sitting there going, Rally what? I didn't wear my rally cap today. What what are we rallying about? What is Rally Sunday? Is it just one of those like weird, like Lutheran things that you do, like green jello and really bad sweat and oly jokes? Or how does that work? Not exactly. Uh, Rally Sunday is a little bit different than that. Uh, Rally Sunday is actually a tradition that's been passed down over the last uh, few hundred years as, as just a way of marking the beginning of a new church year. Just like we mark seasons that the spring starts on a certain day in the summer, in the fall, in the winter. Rally Sunday is just a way for us as a church to mark the beginning of a new season, uh, of a new season of our history, and uh, that we need to rally together. The church has felt the need to rally together after, unfortunately, um, in the past, for, for a, a lot of churches, unfortunately, in many cases, after kind of a slow, long, uh, a boring summer where everybody just kind of checked out, and so we need to rally everybody back together. And once again, I was thinking about this this week, we don't need to do that because once again, you can completely blew my mind and you've blown me away as a church because for some reason... You were defiant and you did the exact opposite of all those things that I just described. And you actually took this truth to heart that God does not take the summer off. And I've actually seen, you can't measure these things, but you can, you can feel it and you can taste it and, 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 and you can see it. Just like as we worship God this morning, did you feel that? Did you, did you sense that? That's God's spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. You can't put your finger on it. You can't put it in a box. You can't wrap your arms around it. It just is because it's God and he's indescribable and he's uncontainable. And that's the God that we worship this morning. And that's the God that we saw on the move this summer. I've seen more love and more joy and more peace and more enthusiasm and more passion for loving each other and for reaching out to this city in the last couple months than ever before. And I really mean that. I mean that with everything that I am. God was on the move this summer, working through all of you. We saw six homes and and lawns get remodeled and renovated in May, and we, we saw over 200 backpacks get filled for kids going back to the school all over the city in July. We saw life groups going deeper than ever before and multiplying and new leaders emerging. And popping up uh, every day. We've seen those that were far from having a, a church experience and an encounter with God come and experience real, authentic community, maybe for the first time. And we've seen those that were once far from God and alienated from him and think that they'd blown it a little bit too much. We've seen those people come back to the cross and find their identity in Jesus Christ and actually be baptized into new life. Praise God for that. What an incredible summer. Absolutely. 
So when you think of this word rallying, there's a certain energy, a certain momentum, a certain a spirit that we would call the Holy Spirit that is important for us uh, as we enter this new season because we know that something powerful happens when we rally together, not for our own agendas, not for the sake of ourselves, but when we come together for a mission that is bigger than us, than any of us, when we gather together every single week for a unified purpose. That's the power of a team. That's the power of a team, and it doesn't matter if it's you and your group of coworkers. It doesn't matter if it's you and a group of friends or you and uh, a family, which is your primary team, or it doesn't matter if it might be a church community that you're in, or a football team. Now, you've probably heard, just go with me here for a second before you hoot and holler. You've probably heard about the big in-state uh, rivalry uh, football game yesterday that actually went into overtime. Did you hear about this? Drake and Grandview, right? It's a bulldog state, right? So Drake pulls it out in overtime. We're in Des Moines, people. What game are you thinking about? Drake and... Okay. I guess there was a little game that's insignificant up in Ames. Um, Some of you know where my allegiances lie with this, and I had to get this off my chest. Um, I happened to watch the game just, you know, for a bit. It was just kind of, okay, whatever. Uh, It doesn't really mean a lot. And as the game concluded, I don't know why, but, you know, as a pastor and a leader, you just start getting these downloads from God, and he was just speaking so clearly and directly to me. And it was was like God was just comforting us, uh, comforting me um, as a father. And and, uh, he just began to speak to me, and he, he was just sure to remind me that even though his team lost that he just needed to remind us, and he wanted me to share this with you as the church today, um, to remind everyone that our God is still capable of doing miracles, even today. And he just had to prove that one more time. Uh, just one more, and then I'll be done. And, and God kept speaking. It was just amazing. He never speaks like this to me, but just yesterday it was amazing. He also re- wanted to remind everybody that he is a God of mercy for those who don't experience that victory in life very often, that he is a God of, of, of mercy and love and, and compassion that likes to raise us up when we're down. Okay, I'm done. Um, that was my soapbox. Um, and I know that we've got plenty of clones fans here today, and thank you for wearing your... Yeah, thank you. I could go on and on and on, but then Rally Sunday would turn into like Riot Sunday, so we're not going to go there. Um, but no, to be honest... Sports and God, well, has a way of humbling us, especially when you have to ride home from the game with your cyclone crazy in-laws for an hour. Lord, have mercy on my soul. But if I'm honest, it wasn't any of that stuff as I was watching the game yesterday, and yes, I did watch it, and yes, it's a big deal, and yes, I'll be in a state of mourning for the next week. But my favorite part of the game yesterday was not the thrilling overtimes, My favorite part of the game yesterday was not all the touchdowns and not all the high fives with the other Hawk fans around me. It was actually about both teams. Yes, I have something nice to say about the team from Ames. It was about both teams, and it was before the game even started. So if you get to the game a little bit early, they they open up the gates, and about 45 minutes before the game starts, the teams are out there warming up on the field. And they're all scattered around the field in their offensive and defensive positions, and the quarterbacks are over there, and the wide receivers are over there, and they're all scattered around. 
And at a certain point, it's different for each team, when the head coach blows the whistle, it's rallying time. And they come together, and they huddle. And I, I just love this picture. I, you can't see that very well, but in the, the Iowa State uh, picture, what they do is they put one hand on the shoulder pad of the guy in front of them, and then the other one, they kind of reach towards the middle as if to say, we're one. We're united. And it's in that moment, it doesn't matter where they've been scattered on the field, it's in that moment, it doesn't matter what position they play, if they were a starter, the, the star player that's going to be in the NFL next year, or if they're a bench warmer. It doesn't matter what high school they happen to be from, it doesn't matter how tall or short, how young or how old they are, in that moment, what matters most was that for the next few hours, they were a unified team with a unified purpose, and close to 60,000 people in the stadium, and I'm sure hundreds and thousands of more around the state and around the Midwest were glued to that, because in some way, in this little, it's Iowa Super Bowl, many of us get caught up in that, and it's not just about watching college students kick a ball around. For that moment, I think that God gives us a glimpse of what it's like to be a part of something bigger than yourself and not care about what the people think around you. And to say, we are a team. And there's something much bigger than us going on here. One team. And that's what we celebrate today. And I believe that we're called to to refocus today on a mission for us that is far greater than any college football game. It's the greatest mission on earth, and that is the mission of the church. The local church is the hope of the world, not because of us, but because the living God that is flowing through that church that says, this is my body, you are my hands and feet, flowing through us. God's purpose for us as a team, and as Lutheran Church of Hope in the city of Des Moines, we have a very specific mission. And you might ask, well, John, what is that mission? Well, I thought it would be a good day to review. So let's put that up on the screen and focus it for you. That's a sermon illustration right there. Okay, so our mission, let's read this together as one church, multiple locations. Our mission is to reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. I think you can do better than that. One more time on Rally Sunday. To reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's our mission. That's why we exist. That is our rallying point today. That's what we circle around. And when we say that and when we recite that together, it's so important for us to remember this isn't just something that we made up. It's not just something that that sounded uh, creative or sounded catchy. It's much bigger than that. And so I, I thought, man, how could I explain this in a deep theological way to you? So I thought the best way to remind us of what our mission is, is by turning to our friends on Rally Sunday, by turning to our friends Jake and Elwood for a short little reminder of what our mission is. Take a look. That's it. We're on a mission from God. Amen? So if you didn't catch it, they said we're going to Chicago and we're wearing sunglasses, right? And you don't need sunglasses for this mission, you may for our church, uh, but nothing was going to stop Jake and Elwood. As crazy as they were, they knew their purpose. And we too 
are on a mission from God. That was my best uh, impersonation of that. We are on a mission from God. It's not ours. It's God's mission. It's what we call the Missio Dei in Latin. If you don't remember anything today, remember, I'm on the Missio Dei. I am on the mission of God in Latin, which literally means the sending of God. So when we think about the mission of God, it's us being a sent people. It's about a God, first and foremost, through who Jesus sent his son to, to, to die to, and to live and to, be, to, to rise again. And he says in John chapter 20, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. That's where we get our mission statement. We didn't make it up. It's right there, all throughout Scripture. God says, go. God says, go. He's a sending God. And he's put us on this mission together. And just like the players that were on the field yesterday that rallied together, I want you to know today, every single one of you, that there is a place for you on this mission in this community as well. Because when we gather together as the church, as, as Paul says, we're the body of Christ. As, as John says, we are the family of God. And in that family, it doesn't matter what position you play. It doesn't matter if you're up front here. It doesn't matter if you're a behind-the-scenes player making the coffee or, or setting up the chairs or putting up the signs. It doesn't matter whether you're new to the faith, if this is your first time at a worship service in 10 years, or if this is your thousandth church service. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you've been on the journey for years. It doesn't matter if maybe today you feel so disconnected from God that you might be saying, there's no way that I can run and be a part of that huddle. I see everybody else huddling, but I think I'm just, I'm just better suited to, to, to just kind of stay away because it's easier over here and I'll just kind of reach my hand out from a distance. You can't huddle from a distance. You can't rally from a distance. It kind of defeats the point of the whole idea. And even if you feel maybe lost or disconnected from God today, he says, I will finish the work that I started in you. God says to every single one of you today, I'm not done with you yet. Even if you've given on, up on yourself, God says, you're a part of this. You're a part of this mission more than you'll ever know. We are on a mission from God. And just so you've got it, Turn to your neighbor and in your best Elwood impersonation with your accent, turn to your neighbor and nice and loud say, we're on a mission from God. Good stuff. We're on a mission from God. And that, that starts today in a, in a brand new, fresh way on Rally Sunday. And if you think about it, the very first church, the very early church had a Rally Sunday as well. And it's something that we call Pentecost which is this word for this, this season of the church when the Holy Spirit came and set them on fire. You can read about it in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. Let's turn there together. If you're in Acts 4, just turn a few chapters back to Acts chapter 1, the beginning of the early church, and we're going to start at verse 8, if you've got your Bibles. Chapter 1, verse 8. And it's here that we find the followers uh, gathered around Jesus one last time. You've all heard the phrase, famous last words, right? If you're a great leader, you probably want your last words to be pretty important, right? Because that's the last thing that's going to be going through the minds of your followers. And obviously for Jesus, it works because he was the greatest leader of all time. He has billions and billions of billions of followers. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus' final words, and he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
You see, up until this point, they'd all been scattered around. They're freaked out because their leader was just brutally murdered on a Roman cross. You too would be, would be scared. If you get caught associating with him, if you get caught as a follower of Jesus, you're going to be freaked out. So probably the last thing that you want to do is gather together, but that's exactly what the Holy Spirit tells them to do. Get together, start praying, rally together, huddle up, and that's exactly what they did. And when they came together, when they stayed unified around the purpose, that's when the Holy Spirit showed up. That's when Jesus shows up, and when they rally together, they get their mission, and which is very clear. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, be my witnesses. Another way we could say that is reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. We're not making this stuff up. Reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. Or love the city, make disciples as the banner that you walk under every single week. Jesus says right away at the beginning of the church, right away here on Rally Sunday, it's the mission of the church that is going to define you. It's not the style that you have of worship. It's not the building that you live in. It's not the size of your church. It's not who's in your church, if they're good looking or not. It's your mission that defines you. And so the question for every single one of us today is not are you on board with any of those other characteristics of the church. Are you on board with the mission of the church? Not your agenda, God's agenda. Be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We're on a mission from God, which is exactly where we find Peter and the other followers of Christ in our reading for today. So skip ahead now to Acts chapter 4. The church is booming, the church is growing, and Peter is a big part of that. If you've been around the last few weeks, you know we're in the middle of this sermon series called Rocky, which is not about Sylvester Stallone, it's about Peter. And he is one of the uh, key leaders of this early church. And Jesus says before he leaves this earth, you are the rock. Your name literally means Rocky, who happens to be one of the, the central characters in the story. And today we skip ahead to the life of Peter after Jesus is risen from the dead. He's ascended into heaven. And we find Peter and John on mission putting this action, putting this power, this Holy Spirit power that they received at Pentecost, and they're putting it into action. It's flowing through them. And right before the, the passage that, that Jane read for us today, they just healed a crippled man who'd been crippled his entire life. Well, the religious leaders of the day don't quite understand what's happening, and they're a little upset. And so we pick it up in verse 5 of chapter 4. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? Pretty powerful question. By what power? Now picture this moment for a second, right? Imagine yourself in Peter's shoes. You're a brand new leader to this whole thing. You're not really a public figure yet. And finally, it's your moment in the spotlight, Right? The news cameras and the television stations are, are, are showing up and G news of Jesus coming back from the dead is spreading around the region. There's TV cameras on you. Uh, just a few months earlier, Jesus called you the rock whom he would build his church upon. A few chapters ago, you gave this rousing speech to 3,000 people and they were all cut to the heart and saved that day. Just a chapter ago, you reached down, grabbed a crippled man, lift him up, and he was healed. His entire body was healed, and now he's up and jumping and dancing around. I don't know about you, but in this moment, if I'm Peter, I've got a lot to be proud of. I've got a lot to boast 
about. I've got a lot to go off on my own personal agenda, my own personal business. But watch instead what Peter says. Chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, skipping ahead a few verses, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. When you're in the spotlight, when you get a platform in your life to have leadership and influence, who gets the glory? Who gets the glory? And you might say, oh, of course, it's all about God. Really? Where's the, where's the source of joy in your life? Where's the source of fulfillment and satisfaction? Who gets the glory? Who's the bigger, what's the bigger picture that you're living for in your life? In other words, what Peter did was the exact opposite of what our human uh, selfish nature would want to grasp that moment for ourselves. And Peter basically says, with all due respect, (laughs) religious leaders and chief priests, we're on a mission from God. And you can't stop us. And because of that, the same power is what Peter says, the same power that raised Jesus from the grave now lives in me and it's called the Holy Spirit. And notice in his answer, there's no, I did this. Look at me. It's all about me and myself, but instead it's about him, 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 by his name. Oh, Peter knows that he's a part of something way bigger than himself. But you see, on this rally Sunday, just like Peter many times, the messiness of life can get in the way of us being fully on board with mission, of us being fully engaged in the game. Maybe today, instead of right in the middle of that huddle, right in the middle of the game of life, right in the middle of this mission for God, instead you feel like you're on the sideline. Instead you feel like you're maybe on the bench. Maybe you've ever heard yourself say things like, I wish I would have, I wonder if I Boy, I could never, oh, someday I'll, those are the kind of things that we say when we're on the sidelines. Those are the kind of things that we say when we're on the bench. And so today, I don't, I don't know what it is for you, but in the midst of all the hoopla, in the midst of all the, the rallying today, don't ignore the still small voice of what God is speaking to you today about what it is that's deep inside of you. Maybe for you, it's fear. Maybe for you, it's anxiety about the future. Maybe it's disappointment. Maybe it's guilt or shame that you're carrying that you brought in here with you today. Maybe it's even apathy toward the whole mission of God. Or maybe you're just too weak to get back up from where you are or from where you've been. And if that's your story today, then that's Peter's story. You're right in line with this great man called Peter. You see, long before the the great apostle Peter, boldly preaching the gospel and standing up and, and converting thousands in the book of Acts, there was ordinary Peter. Smelly, stinky, ordinary fisherman. Struggling with doubt and fear. Falling into the waves as he tried to trust Jesus enough, as he tried to walk on the water, but he didn't have the faith. 
He doubted. He lived with fear. He lived with a big mouth. He said things that he shouldn't have. He failed over and over and over again, including denying Jesus not once, but three times. I don't even know the guy. A few chapters before, you're my Lord and Savior. A few chapters later, I don't know him. Peter hasn't always been a hero. But you have to know that old Peter for you to appreciate the Peter that we see now in Acts chapter 4, who stands up in front of the same religious elite people that he denied Jesus to just a few months ago, and he looks at them now, and he says, power? By what power do you do this, Peter? Power? You want to know what kind of power, Jesus says. You want to know what this mission is all about. Peter gets in line with that, and he says, I'll tell you what kind of power. This is so not about me. This is not about my past failures. This is not about my weaknesses and insufficiencies. This isn't Peter power. (laughs) This is not Peter power. This is soul power. And you Pharisees and Sadducees and religious leaders say, what is it? What is it about you? And if you're Peter, you say, I don't know what it is. Just like when we worship together here, we can say, I don't know what it is. But we can say, it's definitely something to do with the spear it. The spear it of the living God. And for Peter, it says, it's that spirit that's living inside me and it compels me to stop living my life wondering and living in the what ifs and I should have and I could have. Peter says, it's the same spirit that's right here in front of me. God is changing lives all around me. And Peter says, I got to get on board. I got to go along for the ride. You can't get on board with the mission when you're standing on the sidelines. What's keeping you from being all in today. I'm not talking about a game. This isn't a game. This is your life. This is the one life that you've been given. Maybe for you, what's keeping you on the sideline today is the unknowns of life. I'm just so unsure about everything. I'm just living my life in fear. Maybe it's the unknowns and and you refuse to let go. Well, God, you can have control of that part of my life, but I'm going to still call the shots in this part of my life. Maybe for you, what's prohibiting you from getting in the game out on the field is that you're worried if you say, God, here I am, send me. He's going to tell you to go somewhere you don't want to go. He's going to call you to follow him to a place you may not want to go. Maybe what's keeping you on the sideline today is the fear of getting wounded again by a church or by a group of Christians. Maybe you've been in your comfort zone for way too long and there are some gifts that God has given you to build up the church that are hiding underneath the the cracks in the pavement and they're just pushing up and they're dying and they're screaming to come up and find life and to be that flower and to bloom. But you keep squashing them down between the cracks because you think you're not enough. Oh, you could never use my gifts. I don't have what it takes. I'm just ordinary. What a shame. What a shame to live your life small. Small. Or maybe for you, what's keeping you on the sideline today is doubting that others may be struggling with the exact same questions that you are. What's keeping you on the sideline today? What's keeping you on the bench? Today, our friend, the Apostle Peter, turns to you and I believe would want to remind you There's a difference between living wounded and living broken. 
And I know for a fact there's, there's some people in here today that are living wounded. We're all broken. The difference is we're all broken. We have all fallen short, as Romans tells us, of the glory of God. We have all sinned and fallen short. We are all broken. But God says to you today, you don't have to live wounded. You don't have to live with those open sores. You don't have to live with those open wounds of your life of things that have happened to you untouched by the hands of Christ. Because listen to this, when you know the victor, then you have the victory and you can stop living as the victim. When you know the victor, you have the victory and you can stop living as a victim. There's a huge difference between living broken and living wounded. When the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8, you are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. Not because of your own strength, because of the strength and the power of Jesus Christ. That's not a fancy phrase to put in a picture frame on your wall. That's words to live by and to step into God's promise for you today. You are more than a conqueror in him who saved you, Jesus Christ. That's a promise that you can take to the bank today. Let him in. Let him in. Some of you are living with those open wounds. Let him in. Stop sitting on the bench and let him in. And let God into those places that only he can go and offer you the healing that you know you need, but you continue to refuse. Let him build you back up and put you back in the game where you belong. If we learn nothing else from the life of Peter, this entire sermon series, remember this today. God is in the business of using ordinary people to do extraordinary things for the kingdom of God. So take a lesson from Rocky and get off the bench and get into the game. Not when your schedule is perfect, not when your life circumstances are perfect because they're never going to be. It's not about your agenda. It's about maybe, maybe the question that we should be asking today is, God, where are you already moving? God, where are you already working in my life? Where are you already working in this city? And I'm going to go there and join you. God, what are you already up to? And let's join you there. Right now, there are people who would love to worship with us every single Sunday morning, and they have no way to get here because we just need two or three van drivers. And for some people, that would make the world of difference to them. We've got the vehicles. We need the drivers. Get in the game. In a couple weeks, as Kennedy mentioned, I don't know if you know, but 50% of the kids in this school qualify for a special lunch program because their parents can't afford it, and there's no dad in the home, and they long for mentors. And so in a few weeks, we're going to start to mentor the very kids in this school that we worship at get in the game. There's dozens of alpha participants that have signed up, more than we could ever think, that just simply need somebody to listen to them about the big questions of life. There are, there are thousands of neighbors out there that are waiting to be blessed by a hot dog in their face at the parade. And we do these things under no pressure or guilt or condemnation because that's not a part of following Jesus. We do them because we are blessed to be a blessing. The things that we have been given are not for us to hoard and consume. The love that we've been given from Jesus Christ is ours to receive and then overflow and give away. The invitation for every single one of us today is find your rallying point. To rally around a God who says, I didn't create you to play small. I created you to play the game. We're on a mission from God. And one of the things that's been so clear over the last 17 years as Lutheran Church of Hope is that he's given us this crystal clear vision as well of where we're going. To be a spirited, growing, Christ-centered community. The word I want to pull out of there for us this morning is growing. 
Maybe you've sensed that around here the last few months. Not just in width, not just in butts and seats, but in depth as disciples of Jesus Christ. And if we learn anything from the early church today, it wasn't like, boom, 3,000 were added to the number that day, and then they just stayed where they were at in their faith. They got into each other's lives. If you read Acts chapter 2, they're in each other's homes. They're having communion. They're meeting together every day. They must have really liked each other or something. I hope you like each other. And so they get into each other's homes. They're growing deep and wide. Two sides of the same coin. You can't grow wide and not grow deep. You can't grow deep and not grow wide. It's just like any living thing, when it's healthy, what does it do when something's healthy? Living things grow. You can't tell them, don't grow. They'll say, I'm alive. And it's the same thing with the church. We are alive and things that are alive grow. Jesus says, go be the church, be my witnesses, and I will take care of who, what, and how many. And as you go, invite others along. For the past several months, our, our leadership team at Hope Des Moines that you met this morning has been meeting, and we've been diligently praying on this thing called on-ramps. And no, I'm not talking about to the interstate necessarily, but what are the on-ramps to our community? What are the various ways that people get connected to Hope Des Moines to literally get on the road? What are those on-ramps? And I can tell you it's been so much fun to sit back with this team and reflect about what God has done over the last three and a half years, whether it's the Alpha Course or whether it's all these life groups popping up all over the city or the Breakfast Club ministry here on Sunday mornings. But I've, as I've talked with many of you, and as I've talked with the leaders, we sense that God is up to something again, that God is stirring something in us, and this time it's with an on-ramp for the weekend. I want you to think about it this way. This will help you picture it. Imagine I-235. Many of you took that to get here this morning. Brand new. Nobody's ever driven on it before. Brand spanking new. Brand new painted lines. Uh, uh, brand new asphalt. Um, it, is, it is beautiful. And it's sitting there all ready for cars to come in. Cars of all shapes and sizes. Lots of different people. And now imagine you're on your morning commute. And you can't wait to get on and try out this brand new road but there you are driving back and forth and, and, and sideways and, and, and backwards and all over the city of Des Moines because the only on-ramp to the entire Interstate 235 is on 63rd Street. So if you happen to live around there, well, then you're lucky, right? But from Waukee, basically in Nebraska, um, all the way to like Altoona, okay? Interstate 235 has one on-ramp. One and so there you are, lost and confused, and you're driving around, and nobody can get on the road that was created for people to get on. Now, 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 imagine if one day you heard the news. Attention, Des Moines. We are adding a brand new on-ramp to the interstate, and now there's going to be two there would be rejoicing and there would be parties because there's another way to get on board. So many more people could find their way onto the journey. And so as we've prayed as a leadership team for almost six months now, I can tell you how it's refreshing it's been as we've talked about on-ramps. Here's the questions that are being asked. Not, God, what will make me feel cozy? God, what is going to fit best? What, what will best serve me? No, instead, the questions that our leaders have been asking is, God, what are the best on-ramps to grow the kingdom 
in Des Moines? What's the best ways that we can carry out God's mission? It's a lot of him, 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 rather than me, 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 reminiscent of Peter. So today, I'm excited to tell you that starting on August 16th, instead of one on-ramp to this community on Sunday morning, you'll have two. Two options to worship with this growing community at 9.15 and 11. So if you come at 10, you'll either be really late or really early. So we are going to start at 9.15 and 11, and both services are going to be almost identical. Same worship, same message, same everything, uh, except those at the 9.15 service can specifically enjoy Kingdom Quest, and uh, the Breakfast Club ministry will happen before that. And for those of you that choose to come at 11, you get to sleep in. So praise God for that. And I have to say that one of the most exciting things about this that you may not be thinking of is for all those of you that happen to volunteer and serve during our worship service, this provides you a brand new way, a brand new way to worship and to serve and to have that specific time alone with God if you happen to serve during worship. Of course, uh, change is never easy, uh, but all of our teams are already gearing up. They're already excited, and you can trust that if you have any questions along the way, we're more than happy to answer those. And actually, as I was praying and uh, sharing, uh, about sharing this with all of you uh, today, I happened to come across some cards, and I want to read these to you in, in closing. These are from our Hope City Branch, as it was called, preview worship service in April of 2008. And uh, people started filling out these cards before any sermons had been preached, before any songs had been sung, before any small groups had started, before anything happened. People wrote down these things using the entry, my dream for this church is, or I imagine hope reaching out to the city in this way. And I want to share just three with you that I pulled out. One person wrote, I imagine Hope Des Moines being a place where regardless of who you are, you can come and feel welcome and feel at home. Another person wrote, my hope for this church is that we would offer a variety of ways for people to get connected and grow in their faith. And finally, the last person wrote, I pray that this church will have the courage to do things outside of our comfort zones for the sake of the kingdom. I think that hits the nail on the head right there. Praise God that our prayers matter, that God is faithful, that incredible things happen when our dreams become God's dreams. And reading those, it just hit me. This isn't a big, giant step. It's a little step, and it's almost as if God has put his hand in the, in the small of our back as a church, and he says, now this way, now this way, now this way, now it's time leading us and guiding us. And where he goes, we will go. One of my favorite films, and we'll close with this this time of year, is the film Remember the Titans. It's not about Iowa or Iowa State. It's about the Titans, a neutral team. And uh, they were anything but unified. They were scattered all over the place. They hated each other. Racial differences, economic differences, all sorts of things. Until... They rallied until they found a noble cause, 
until they discovered that the victory was already theirs through faith, until they discovered a power inside of them that could not be stopped. And so as we watch this final clip of the Titans huddling together, take a look and be reminded of the power that we've been given as the church and be reminded of who we've been called to be as the body of Christ. Let's rally together. What kind of power do you have today? And we can authentically respond to that. Soul power. Soul power, the kind of power that we don't stir up ourselves, but the kind of power that we receive through a relationship with Jesus Christ and placing our faith in him and his death and his resurrection. Because when we ask him for this power, he comes and he nails us with it. And he says, go be the church. Don't keep it to yourselves. Go take some risks and get outside of the box and watch me change lives all around you To All you can say is just like the team, we want some more. We want some more. We want some more. Whatever you have for us, God, we want it. It's never been and it will never be about us. It's about you. We are on a mission from God And he invites you to come along for the ride. Amen? Amen. Let's stand.